You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Good evening and you're very welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and coming up on tonight's programme. This Thursday, Eggshire Michael Hartnett Literary and Arts Festival is launched in Newcastle West, County Limerick. And I met Vicky Nash in the Red Door Gallery yesterday to find out about what we can expect from this year's programme. Theresa Story, award-winning cookbook author and matriarch of The Green Apron, which creates delicious preserves and conserves, shares details about her plans to develop a tea plantation in County Limerick. And fellow food show presenter Janet O'Toole from CCR recently spoke to Birgitta Hedden-Curtin from the Burren Smokehouse in Liston Varna about the 2018 Burren Slow Food Festival. So we'll be finding out about the eclectic programme for this year's festival. Festival. If at any point you'd like to get in touch with me here at the show, you can drop me an email to s.noonan at live.ie or tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation. So to start the show off tonight, let's go to the Red Door Gallery and hear from Vicky Nash. Vicky is one of the driving forces behind the Michael Hartnett Literary and Arts Festival, which starts this Thursday, the 12th of April in Newcastle West. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Vicky, this is year 19 of the Michael Hartnett Poetry Literary Festival. Tell us how it all started. Well, it started basically in the year after Michael passed away, much too young, really. He passed away in 1999, and together with the Arts Office of Limerick County uh, at that time, uh, we instituted Edge Michael Hartnett. And so it has grown leaps and bounds since then. It started mainly as a literary festival. And, but in, as time went on, we moved into all the other arts, the visual arts, performance arts, music, etc. Tell us a bit about him. He came from Newcastle West, from West Limerick. Absolutely, yeah. He was, he was a Newcastle West native. And at various times, he lived in Maiden Street in Assumpter Park. But he also spent a lot of time with his uh, grandmother, Bridget Halpin, in Camus. And uh, he came and went at various times, went to England, went to Dublin, came back to Newcastle West, lived up in Temple Glanton for a while, and uh, moved back to Dublin, and he finished his life in Dublin. He um, worked a lot in various jobs. He worked for what was then P. Auguste in the, the telephone as a telephone operator, and uh, but poetry and writing were his thing from a very young age. Uh, he had an interest in being a chef as well, believe it or not, but the poetry just took over his... He was obsessed with poetry, really. Well, let's talk about his love of food, because that is something that would be in a number of his poems, like the Ballad of Salad Sundays would be one that I would be familiar with. Yes. Well, he, he, he had a love of food, and, you know, you would almost say the part of that love of food was because he grew up in such difficult times, and they were far from the poor. I mean, they were far from rich. And food was you're, you thought about food more in hunger than in plenty. And uh, so uh, it it would become so much a part of your life because you would be thinking about it all the time, you know. And uh, I mean, he talks. Uh, he wrote a, an article for um, the uh, McGill magazine. 
uh, many years ago about Christmas in Maiden Street and he talks about how it, it, it was one of the few times where you had something even resembling plenty for food and uh, they would have had maybe a goose and chicken but they wouldn't have had roast beef or anything like that or lamb uh, so he was uh, very much uh, obsessed with food, I think, from the hunger end of things more than anything else. But he he did, he was a good cook, as I said. He was interested at one stage in being a chef, and had some, done some training in it. And uh, um, but he loved to cook throughout his life, and he became very. Uh, interested in cuisine like because he he traveled a good bit too you know and he was interested in spanish writers and whatever and um uh, so he developed a love for unusual things and and more uh, exotic foods as well as the basic black pudding and pork and whatever he wrote a poem called the pig killing and that really is the um uh, the spur for our event our food event during Asia and it talks about how the pig is killed in great detail and he used the bladder as a toy <laughs> he was throwing it around but and the, when they'd kill a pig uh, they would share some of the you know they would use every single bit of it and they would share some of that with the neighbors uh, so as I say food was very much part of his psyche almost Tom Flavin, who is the executive chef at the Limerick Strand Hotel and who's from West Limerick himself and who went to school with Michael Hardnett's son, he is heading up that event that you're talking about. It's on this Saturday. Yes, that's the Pulled Pork and Poetry uh, event. And uh, we decided this year to, for a variety of reasons, to um, uh, include a food event. Food is, as you well know, you hardly, I need, hardly need to tell you how important food is in West Limerick. Uh, and uh, we just thought it was a nice uh, coordination to bring together food and poetry. So Tom is, is doing a demonstration and light lunch of pulled pork. And I think there's going to be a salad, and I wonder what that relates to, <laughs> which poem that relates to. Uh, because Michael was such a character and was able to, to uh, write about events in town that, you know, <laughs> and put them in, into a funny kind of perspective, you know. <laughs> I'm sure there must have been times when people were a bit worried when they saw him coming into the pub thinking, are you going to be writing about me today? Well, I don't doubt that, <laughs> and it's interesting you say when he came into the pub because, as we well know, he he would frequent the hostelries in town. Michael, because you weren't here, I knew Michael, and what a character, you know. And you would just have uh, such interesting conversations. And he would write about people. I mean, he he wrote another poem that doesn't relate to food, but uh, it was called "On Those Who Stole Our Cat to Curse." And you know, he, he, he related to people in, in many of his poems, the Maiden Street Ballad and, of course, Death of, the Irish, of an Irish Woman that relates to his grandmother, whom he, uh, who was such a huge influence in his life. So I can imagine, all right, if you sat down in a pub with him, you wouldn't uh, be certain that you wouldn't appear later in some bit of his writing. A scary thought, really. <laughs> he never wrote about me. <laughs> Ned Lynch's pub always takes centre stage during the festival. There's a few different 
events take place there? Well, in Ned, Ned Lynch's is, is, is the start of our, our walkabout on the Saturday uh, and because that they read uh, part of the Ballad of Maiden Street, or the Maiden Street Ballad, sorry, and uh, that's read by various people who would have been good friends of his, like Sean Kelly and John Cusson and uh, so that that kind of starts, and Ned reads part of it as well. So uh, it's it it kind of harks back to that time. You you feel that you're living in the time that Michael lived when uh, when that is being read, and then we progressed on to various places where he lived because, of course, as I said earlier, he lived in both Maiden Street and Assumpter Park. He moved to Assumpter Park when it was first built. And that was a huge thing for the people who had been living in Maiden Street. They had indoor plumbing and whatever for the first time. And uh, it's hard to believe it's not that long it's ago. It's not really. really. No, no it's you not. Know, it's just not that long ago. And the whole, I, I often think about it, you know, how, how much I've been here 51 years and the changes that have taken place in that time. And I wasn't, I mean, he had been in Sumter Park before I came here, but it wasn't that long before I came here. And uh, the time has, has changed so much. But he always remained and always will remain a very important personage in, in the history and the character reminiscences of, of Newcastle West. And in terms of changes, the, the programme will have developed and changed in the last 19 years. Like you have some really unusual type events here. Tell me about the car that you're going to have outside the Red Door. Yes, we're, we're doing that in collaboration with the Hearsay Festival in Kilmallock. And uh, we're parking an old car uh, near the Red Door Gallery. And you can just sit in the car and have an audio experience that will be quite unique. And of course, it relates to Michael as well. So it should attract an awful lot of attention. And that, that will be here all day on, thir- on Friday and Saturday for certain. It may be here a little bit before that to attract your attention. Because the festival is Friday and Saturday, isn't that right? Well, it starts, yes, on Thursday night is the opening. And Michael's son, Neil, and you referred to him earlier as a classmate of Tom Flavin's, uh, he's doing the um, keynote sp- uh, lecture at the, or the talk at the uh, opening on Thursday night in the library. All of uh, Michael's family will be here for the festival this year. Lara, who's celebrating her 50th birthday this year, and Rosemary and uh, Neil, so it's a, a great honor to have them here. Lara hasn't been here in a long time. And it's nice to share that with them because they have something to add to it too because uh, they they can reminisce about things that we've never even heard of before. Yeah, and I suppose they hear lots of things and stories about their father as well that they might not be familiar with. And I mean, like it's such an honor, isn't it, to have uh, a festival in your father's name. Oh yeah, it must it must it must be very hard for anybody else to to, to understand exactly how they feel. I mean, it it must be an incredible feeling, as you say, to have a festival named after your father. And they remain very um, clued in. And um, Neil has written about um, his dad, 
and uh, they remember they certainly remain very true to their father and um, and to all that he stood for and um, as you say they can hear stories more stories they never heard before and they can relate stories that we never heard before so uh, and I think that I think they will particularly enjoy the pulled pork and poetry event because it is something different and because they knew that their dad was interested in cookery and I'm sure he cooked very exotic things for them so and it's great that Tom Flavin's involved in that as well I mean we're we're lucky to have somebody of his standard as part of the uh, festival and uh, I think people will uh, really enjoy that at, at that the bold pork and poetry because it says as it says in the title there's going to be some poetry and Edward O'Dwyer who's a limerick poet a young limerick poet uh, well really on the up and up uh, he will be reading uh, some of the excerpts from Michael's poetry that relate to food and Edward is a particularly good performance poet, so it should really be a fun, fun event. Uh, everybody should enjoy it. So, And we should mention that Tom Flavin won Best Chef in Limerick at the recent RAI Awards, which yes. is a huge accolade to, to add to his already mounting number of awards. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, he's a, as we all know, he's a tremendous chef and well-deserving of the awards that he has received. And uh, he's very, I was talking to him yesterday, and uh, he's very excited about doing this. Because, of course, he's connected to the Big Town Festival in Limerick as well. And uh, so there is a great um, connection between that Big Town Festival and the concept that we're going with this year. So we're really looking forward to it. You can book by uh, ringing 087-164-2130 and the tickets are just 20 euros. It's very good value for a cookery demonstration and the lunch because you get plenty to eat at it. And Desmond Complex is such a lovely place for something like that. You know, it's a cosy place and uh, the staff up there are so welcoming and Bernie Forrestal, who works there, will be assisting on the day. So uh, we, can, we can guarantee a good time. It's, it's definitely going to be a fantastic event. Um, well worth looking at. The Facebook page is there as well for all the other events that you have on. Yes. Because the programme is very full over the Friday and the Saturday after the opening on Thursday night. Let's talk about the competitions. You, you have Poetry Competition Awards. What way does that work? The, the, the main Michael Hartner Poetry Prize has been in existence since the very start of the Edge Michael Hartnett. And that's a substantial prize of 4,000 euro for a poet in mid-career. Uh, and um, this year, Mary O'Malley and Magdara Woods have jointly won the prize. Uh, so it, it is recognized as one of the most uh, prestigious poetry prizes in Ireland. And well, it should be because what might, some people may not know is that Michael was a poet's poet and the likes of Seamus Heaney and some of the other very substantial poets in the country uh, acknowledge him as their, uh, someone that they very much look up to. So the Poetry Prize in turn is of, of, of great significance within the world of poetry in Ireland. 
And then at the other end, if you like, of, of, of the strata, um, we have our poetry slam on Saturday where poets can come and read uh, a poem of their own uh, for which the winning poem wins 300 euro. And then there's also a prize for the best read Michael Hartnett poem of 100 euro. And that can be great fun because some of his poems are great fun. I have one of his books at home now and it is really interesting to read about it and just from being somebody that doesn't come from the area originally it does give you a great insight into the way things used to be and the different characters that you, you've mentioned earlier on so it is definitely well worth getting a copy of one of his poetry books and Oh, ab- absolutely because his poetry is very accessible some people think poetry is only for the elite but his poetry is very accessible and as you say, it's interesting that you say like that you're not from here, uh, but that you can relate to what he's the, what he's talking about. It's one of the great things about a small town, I think, that it's full of characters. And uh, Michael was so well able to capture uh, what they were like, being one himself, of course. <laughs> and it's great to have the statue of him in the square. That must be lovely for his family to come home and see that life-size cha- statue of him. It, it, it must be. I mean, you, you could hardly um, relate to it yourself in a way. I mean, you can't imagine what it would be like to see your father uh, memorialised in such a way. And uh, um, Neil was here for the uh, dedication of the uh, statue. And uh, it, it must have been an incredibly emotional uh, event. Uh, I, I happened to miss it because I had broken my elbow. But um, Was it Tidy Towns or who was it commissioned? No, it was the Community Council. And Rory Breslin was the sculptor yes. who did the Terry Wogan statue in Limerick. Yes. There was lots of controversy around. Yes, I think yes. we definitely got the better end of the deal there with the Michael Hartnett one. It is so Michael Hartnett. That, I mean, you rarely see a replica or a representation of somebody that is as well done as that. You can just feel that you're standing there talking to him and you can, you, you can tell that... you. You get into his head in a way because um, his head must have been working all the time, being, perceiving, watching, taking in what's around him and the people around him. And wasn't he blessed that he was able to convert that into words? And weren't we blessed? Such a talent, an yes. unbelievable talent. Yes. And, as you say, to be inspired day in and day out by the people that he met and the scenes that he saw. Yeah. We are very lucky that he, he did have that talent and he was able to capture it for yes. us all to enjoy forevermore. Yes, absolutely. And um, he's just... Um, The word legend is overused, but it's the closest I can get to to describing Michael. Maybe I could say a legendary character, because a character is so much part of him as well. Did I see something online that there's something happening at the Australian Film Festival? Yes, there's a a short film uh, about Michael Hartnett. I just saw the announcement yesterday myself uh, about Michael. Um, So uh, it's it's, um, interesting that 
his fame is all over the place. It is, absolutely, you know? yeah. Yeah. Well, it's all happening this weekend in Newcastle West. You've given out the number there to, to book the pulled pork and poetry event. And obviously the Facebook page is there for, for people to go on and see the full programme of events yes. and um, to get in touch and to make bookings. And we look forward to welcoming people from all corners of Ireland and beyond this weekend to West Limerick. Can't wait for it. Thanks so much for talking to me today, Vicky. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. You've heard of Newcastle and its famous dog fair and of Sandwich Sunday. No one was there. You'd not think we'd be caught out three times in a row. But once again, people, we've made a pure show. Come all you young travellers who live in this town, all crime that's committed to ye is put down. Be now found not guilty by the householder breed who were ate up last Sunday by profit and greed. The 5th day of June 1983, they expected to profit by you and by me. Yet in spite of their salads and watery tay, more went to watch donkeys in honest attay. I heard that the shopkeepers up in the square were sending back bread and tearing their hair. They turned over so little it made their hearts scald. I will mention no names, but there's two of them bald. I heard of a publican who rented a space. Not far from his own house, John Burke's is the place. Put girls behind counters all dressed in white coats and had enough greens to feed 1,200 goats. One cleared the locals out of his place. No cards or no darts were allowed, just in case. But two pickaxe handles were ready to wave at the thousands expected who mightn't behave. Let no local farmer buy meal or buy hay, for there's free bales of lettuce to be had, I hear say. And regardless of breed or regardless of number, their cows can now feed on free winds of cucumber. There's ducks in the river now, bigger than swans, and the water hens there wouldn't fit into ponds. And the rats eating salads, mouths back to their ears, for the flutes of Newcastle they send up three cheers. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and that was the Ballad of Salad Sunday by Michael Hartnett, which I thought I would share with you as the Eggshire Michael Hartnett Literary and Arts Festival is on this weekend in Newcastle West. Just before the break, Vicky Nash shared details about the programme of events, which includes a pulled pork and poetry lunch with the RAI Best Chef in Limerick, Tom Flavin, who is the executive chef at the Limerick Strand Hotel and who also hails from West Limerick and went to school with Michael Hartnett's son. That lunch is only €20. Euros. I'll give you the number that Vicky shared for bookings, 87 2130 and also check out the Eggshire Michael Hartnett Facebook page. If you are just tuning in, you can catch up on Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. And it's also on the taste.ie website, voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine.
Still to come tonight, fellow food show presenter Janet O'Toole from CCR recently spoke to Birgitta Hedden-Curtin from the Burns Smokehouse in Listonvarna about the 2018 Burren Slow Food Festival. So we'll find out about the eclectic programme for this year's festival. Next, though, we're going to hear from Teresa's story. Teresa is the author of Fruit on the Table and you'll find her every Saturday in the Limerick Milk Market selling her award-winning jams and chutneys and lots more. Well, she has another venture up her sleeve and it's a tea plantation. Let's have a listen. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinter. Teresa, how are you keeping? I'm pretty good. I'm just back from Cornwall. I went over in the snow. Over in the snow, but you kept warm because you drank plenty of tea, I believe. I did. I drank all sorts of tea. I was at Tregothnan, which is a big fancy estate over in Cornwall, and they've been there for about 700 years. And so in the last 20 years, they've put in tea and have developed it as a tea plantation. So I was learning how to be a tea grower and tea producer, and so it was very exciting. This has been an ambition of yours for some time now to, to start growing your own tea leaves and in fact you have done it to a certain extent. Um, I've been working on this project for about eight years so last year we got our first actual real tea plants because before that we'd been producing a lot of herbal tea and one of our herbal teas was through to the final in Bloss this year so hopefully next year we'll win. And uh, so we had... a. We had about 20 big tea bushes and now I just got a delivery of 300 this week so I'm really excited. We're also going to put in Manuka and Eucalyptus as tea because I learned when I was over in Tegothnan that Manuka makes the most fantastic tea so I'm really excited about this. Now people might think, at least I would think, tea leaves would need a climate not akin to the climate in Ireland for them to grow and thrive. Uh, Tea plants are really a camellia, so if you can grow camellia, you can grow tea. Just make sure that you get the varieties that are a little bit more adapted to colder. They grow a lot of tea in parts of Russia and Georgia, so they get a lot of snow. So if I'm, I'm looking to get hold of those varieties as well. But at the moment, the tea bushes that I got were bred in the Netherlands, and so they're a little bit more cold tolerant. Now, if we get down to minus 13, I'll be out, you know, with the fire and carefully trying to keep them. But So it's not done in the greenhouse, it's all outdoors? It's good. I'm going to have some in the greenhouse, some in the tunnel, and but most of them will be outdoors. I just have to. I'm going around with a pH meter to every part of our two farms to find the exact perfect conditions because tea plants are a little bit more picky than a camellia. So they and they can just die for no reason. That's what they were telling me over in Tregothan and they're like, you know, you think they're growing for four years and all of a sudden they just die. And is the plan then that you're going to sell it locally, nationally, internationally? Like, where do you see the business going? We're going to grow as much as we can here and then we're going to blend it and so we'll be selling it in the market but we'll also be selling it well sure why will we not sell irish grown tea all across the world so and then we're going to do a lot of courses i learned when i was over at tregothnan how to teach everybody how to grow their own and then roll it and produce their own tea and you know be making it themselves it was really exciting over there so so in the same way that people maybe grow herbs at home or tomatoes they could still yeah. they could yeah, have they their could own be tea their own tea oh, and wow. be harvesting enough so that they've got their own tea for the year yeah wow um berries look out i know i think uh one of the problems with 
tea that you buy in the stores, unless you're buying specifically organic, tea is really, really sprayed. So you're basically buying a cup of pesticide and um, herbicide. So yeah, I'll be growing organic and everybody could be at home growing organic tea themselves. And I know there's a lot of talk recently about the tea bags, actual bag that's used. Yeah, that it has plastic in it. Yeah, there and so you're getting plastic microfibers. So yeah, it's uh, so it's better to grow your own in loose leaf tea. Do you have a favourite flavour of tea yourself that you always drink at home? I always drink Lapsang Sushan. I love things that are smoked. I drink uh, Lapsang. I eat smoked cheese. I occasionally smoke cigars. You know, it's just smoky is good. Okay. And yeah. and in terms then of pairing wine with cheese and wine with different foods, is that something that you can do with tea? Uh, we're actually, I'm with uh, Trish Farrell from Wild's Irish Chocolate. We're developing a tea and chocolate tasting menu at the moment. So we're looking at white chocolate with your lighter teas like your white tea and apricot. And then we're looking at your milks with your regulars. And then the dark chocolate with something like Lapsang or even an Earl Grey. So it's all very exciting. The milk market is the market that you're refer- referring to, that you'd always be there on a Saturday morning yeah. selling your preserves and your conserves. Like you're busy all year, all year round making those. We're, I, I try and take January off, but when I say take January off, I, I don't make as many preserves, but I'm growing everything and re-sorting out the polytunnel in the greenhouse. So, yeah, we're always busy. What are the most popular products on the market stall? Our most popular product is our Blossna Heron award-winning raspberry jam. And then after that, it's our whiskey marmalade because everybody wants a shot of booze for breakfast. That also won a Bloss. And then our most popular preserve is our Bombay tomato pickle, which also won a Bloss. So it's really hot and gives you a bit of a zing. That's the Bloss and Aaron Irish Food Awards, which yeah. are open for entry at the moment. Yep. And uh, don't we'll tell us, don't tell us what you're entering no, now. Don't tell you, away. we've got about three to go in okay. this year. So you really admire that as an award. You really hold it in high esteem. Well, we have 13, so we enter every year and it's great because we can it shows us what is not only what's popular with us because i may have influenced my customers but what's popular across the board and it also it gives us a sense of oh look we are really good at what we do yeah it's always very nice for a producer whenever you are working so hard the time the effort that goes into producing your fantastic goodies that it is recognized with an award or 13 in your case. Yeah, it it is really good. And we love going down for the awards as well because we get to meet all the producers. We missed last year um, and we missed the backyard event that happened where all the producers got to hang out together and get some continuing professional development classes. So that was, I love going. We've met so many people and we've made so many connections, business connections, and now we have mates as well. So yeah, it's, It is a fantastic weekend. Yeah. I, I do enjoy it myself, I have to say. Yeah. Do you go to many other festivals? Um, we used to go to more, but as my children are growing up, I no longer have the staff to assist me. So we, uh, we've done the GIY festival down in Waterford a couple of times but most of the time when I'm going to other festivals I'm actually giving classes or lectures rather than me selling stuff so and now that we have our fabulous tea so I'm going to be going around uh, to big festivals and showing people how to produce their own tea. Fantastic and what other sort of lectures and talks do you do? We do a lot of foraging and we do 
preserving and we do uh, there's the one that I was doing for body and soul last year was booze bitters and botanicals so it was making your own liquors and bitters from wild food and whatever's in the summer we were putting summer in a glass Fantastic. Sounds delicious. And let's hope now that the summer is going to come along soon. Yeah, I really hope so, because I'm so far behind. We were up planting damsons on the farm and I'm going, there's no grass. There's nothing, which was great for planting because, you know, there was nothing interfering with digging. But um, yeah, it's a good thing there's no cows at the moment. The weather conditions recently have really affected your business. They they really have because we missed some market days because there was just too much snow and we were trapped even in our four by four we couldn't get back home so yeah so let's hope it'll be a fabulous summer and we'll have lots of tourists and they'll all come to the market and they'll all want to come out to the tea farm and learn tea growing yeah, absolutely and um, as you say it is it's hard work for producers so it's very important that we go out and support you support at the market your local producers Teresa, best of luck with the Blossom Air and entries this year. And as always, lovely to talk to you. Thank you. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan. And just before the break, Teresa's story, a.k.a. The Green Aproness, shared details about her plans to start a tea plantation at her farm in County Limerick to add to the ever-growing product line available at the Green Apron market stall in Limerick Milk Market on Saturday mornings. And earlier in the programme, we heard about the Eggshire Michael Hartnett Literary and Arts Festival that starts this Thursday evening in Newcastle West in County Limerick. And be sure to check out the Pulled Pork and Poetry event with the RAI Best Chef in Limerick, Tom Flavin, who is Executive Chef at the Limerick Strand Hotel. If you're just tuning in, you can catch up on Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. And it's also on the taste.ie website, voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. Now it's time to turn our attention to our final interview this evening and it's compliments of fellow food show presenter Janet O'Toole who hosts the food show on CCR. Janet recently talked to Brigitte Hedden-Curtin from the Burns Smokehouse about the upcoming Burns Slow Food Festival which is on from May the 11th until the 13th. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. And I'm delighted now to have Brigetta Head and Curtain on the line with me. Hello, Brigetta. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for calling. Not at all. It's lovely to have you. And of course, your your day job, I suppose, is the wonderful Burren Smokehouse. Um, but this evening you're on the show to tell us all about the Burren Slow Food Festival. Uh, Brigetta, when is that coming up? That is coming up the 11th, 12th and 13th of May, starting on the evening of the 11th of May with a seafood buffet dinner in Inishir. Very nice. Yeah, uh, absolutely lovely. We take the ferry over from Doolin, over to Inishir, and uh, it's actually a uh, fisherman who does his, he fishes for his own uh, lobster and crab that is going to, him and his wife is going to do the seafood uh, buffet for us. In Tagnet. So that'll be amazing. And the whole festival theme is actually Taste the Atlantic, a seafood journey. So we want to highlight the seafood uh, of the west coast of Ireland. 
Okay, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I guess that's very much in keeping, I mean, with the Slow Food Festival ethos, isn't it? Absolutely. Showcasing local produce, enjoying really good food that is, you know, produced well or fished well or straight from the source and also uh, embracing chefs and producers together. And I think even the fact of going out to the island, um, Brigetta, is kind of... I mean, I'm not saying that's slow, obviously, but you know what I mean. There's a there's yeah, a way about it. It's absolutely. not a quick. It's not no. a quick fix. It's not a quick drive in and drive off again. It's a it you know it's a kind of a a time will be set aside to do it, and it will go there in a slow way, and and the food will be fabulous, and the whole location will be fabulous. Yeah, and very enjoyable. And we're continuing on then on the Saturday with the cooker demo from Nile Sabongi. And he'll be uh, using, he actually, he has this uh, series of uh, restaurants and oyster restaurants in um, Dublin called Claw. Okay. And he, are, he sources some of his oysters from, uh, from Clare, from <coughs> the Flaggy Shore. Uh, Kira and Jerry O'Halloran have their oysters up there. And so does also Kelly Oysters. And both of them will be, avail- will be there for the cookery demo in, uh, in Listenvarna. Okay, brilliant. Um, so you're con- kind of connecting, I suppose, Dublin as well. You know, you're connecting with the Orin Islands, which is a huge connection there for years. have been with trading and uh, so I've been told, you know, from what I understand, that there's a huge amount of trading were going on between uh, the Baron and Orin Islands. Yeah. And the Sheer probably. Uh, M- mainly, yeah. 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 And um, then uh, we also have, uh, apart from now, Sabonga, we have... Travis Gleeson, he is coming from um, up from Dingle, so we're connected with Dingle as well, and uh, also on the on the coastal line. Uh, we also have Kevin Thornton coming to visit us, which will be uh, pretty amazing exciting. as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, I think the lovely thing about that for yourselves as well as for uh, all the visitors that are going to come, but for also for yourselves, it's lovely to bring people in and show them what you have, I suppose, but also to see the chefs in action. You always just get great buzz and then when they turn around and tell you guys which they will that you know your project is amazing or that how much they're enjoying themselves and being there um it'll be a great it'll be lovely it'll be a great buzz altogether yeah i mean we i have i was talking i was actually at the book launch earlier on to, uh, this week uh Johnny, john and sally mckenna were uh launching their bible yes. ireland the best and the uh, ocean davies he has this uh, last year, uh, gin festival, and he was at it. He's a kind of a mixologist, and he was kind of inquired, you know, asking about the festival. He was there last year, enjoyed it, and often, I mean, it's very much a family event. So, uh, whoever comes, like Niall brings uh, a bit of a f- his family. You know, it's a family event, and you can bring uh, children along, and there's something there for everybody. Uh, yeah. We have also got a really interesting talk from this visiting uh, doctor. Uh, Bill Schindler. He's uh, working as an archaeologist up in UCD and his talk is Human Diet, Learning to Eat Like Humans Again. Okay. So it, it, it's kind of connecting with ancient times and what we ate and how, how we got our nutrition then compared to today. So it's, again, really interesting. He's a very interesting character and it's been an absolute pleasure to have him there. No, as well, of course, we're going to have an artisan food and farmer's market with local food producers, particularly from the Burren Food Trail, but from all over Clare. And we'll have a Burren Food Trail coffee morning 
uh, we will also have uh, that will feature among them Anam Coffee, which is our uh, local. Uh, it's only two three years going. Anam yes. Coffee roaster, small production, small batch uh, products, which are absolutely glorious, and it goes along well with Nana ice cream and other products. Um, you know, but cakes but made in the fair in, in the area, and we also. Uh, we'll have a breakfast with Bloss. So Bloss Maharan is um, also one of my, you know, uh, I, I'm a patron of Bloss Maharan. And this year we're going to, we've invited them up. Artie uh, Clifford and Fallon Clifford, uh, Fallon uh, are coming up for breakfast with Bloss. So it's for the traders of the market. Sure, also to give them something know. as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, so we try to incorporate for everybody something there for everybody. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, uh, at the Burn, of course. Um, sorry, I'm going slightly off the festival, but it is all connected. Um, yes. The food trail, the Burn food trail, that's been yes. going quite a long time now, I guess, isn't it? And it's very it successful. Has. Yeah, it's a huge success, really, and um, collaborative, uh, working co- collaboratively together. And we have previous years we've had an event every week, week something yeah. going on in the in the burn and the two festivals, which is the Burn Slow Foods Festival in May, and then in October we end up with the uh, Burn Food Fair, and that's connected with the Burn Bio do does the um, sure yeah 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 so but this year we're going to have three uh, long table events and the festival, so we kind of do something that you have to come up with new ideas. And the uh, first one will be in June, 8th of June, in, in Steinman, hearing people that and businesses are there and products that are there. So we try to kind of individualize uh, all the different long table events, and it's going to be uh, in interesting, you know, locations. So I think the first one will be in Chokkjol in Steinman, and so look, look out for that as well. The yeah. Burn Food Trail is a, is a great... It is. Uh, I think it's, it's great because I think it's it's well it's given a profile to all of those um, food producers. But it's also, I mean, it's the collaboration, of course, and 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 then of course for the visitor, it's just fantastic because uh, you have access to things you may not always have access to in a, for, yeah. in a, in a I mean, in a kind of informal way. But but you do get sort of uh, access to it. You know, it's all very well to say sometimes to the visitor, oh, we have great local produce, or we have great this that, and but how do they get it? How do they access yeah, um, and actually meet the producers. Exactly, you know. exactly. And that has developed over the years. I think the Burn Food Trail kind of uh, engaged and, and, and helped producers to feed pride over the product and also start up little micro-businesses. Sure. Uh, I mean, Eva Hegarty, she has a Burn Free Range pork, but she's also started glamping. You know, we have Una Dwyer, she works with foraging with seaweed. And, you know, it, it's all... I mean, we are in the coastal region. We have uh, these micro-businesses and uh, one person or a family, or they will grow and they will employ people. And it, it means that the, our countryside on the coastal region will stay alive. And I think that all these growth areas in SMEs, so every important. little jobs that are created, Absolutely. even if it's only for one person. Well, sure, it's fantastic as one person, yeah. Yeah, but also, yeah. I think too for the greater community, like for the you know for the people who don't actually maybe even know that it's benefiting them in the sense you know the bus driver, the hotelier, uh, you know the pub, you know so oh, well you know we're not really serving food here or whatever. But there more people are coming to the areas because of these kind of innovations and yeah. collaborations, and I think that that benefits everybody. 
the Absolutely. benefits to the local supermarket because there's more people buying things because they have more visitors. You know, it just is, yep. it just spreads out. Yeah, and the small incremental effects. They exactly. are the ones that make that kind of, finally it's rolling stone a bit. Uh, yes, and, yes. Um, but I mean, we have some wonderful bed and breakfast uh, owners that have incredible breakfast that have totally taken on the, the core boil and food trail and buy... Uh, the, in the breakfast, you would see our smoked salmon. You see St. Tola goat cheese. You, okay. you know, they have their home mm. bake. They have, you know, so, so they're not used. Only to, they're promoting it as well. Yeah. yeah, so you can see it in your breakfast. And I mean, also then that there are so many different places that you can come to visit. Uh, it means that you know maybe we'll entice people to stay another night. You know, and that kind of the that you know again. It spreads. Yeah, spreads it spreads. again, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's fantastic. Now, I just uh, sorry that before I go yeah, back to, go to to the to the slow food festival, the long table. Then is that a s- sort of a a, a a dinner, a feast? Yes. Or is it, yeah. Yes. Okay. It's a, it's a dinner. So I think that the, we have kind of uh, created subgroups that are going to make them happen, and okay. we will have dates on uh, on uh, uh, been bur- on baron.ie. Okay. And also we'll be doing posters, but uh, 8th of June is the first one. First we'll one, okay. one in July, and we'll have one in September. And it's a dinner, uh, sit together, so a collaboration between maybe only food producers or food producers and like a butcher shop or a chef or, you know, the forager. I think the first one we have, um, and I'm coffee involved, um, Brian O'Brien, and we have Una Dwyer, the uh, seaweed forager, forager yeah. uh, and then Fiona Hawk from the uh, market, uh, market uh, store in Ennis Diamond and Eva Hegarty. So, you know, we, we make little subgroups and it makes, uh, uh, I think you can Not so much work for everybody, but then everybody has yeah. ownership as well. More people have ownership. Thing. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And it spreads to more people that way, I think. No, absolutely. You know? I'm just fascinated because I do know myself from a little experience that festivals are quite expensive to run. Um uh, you know, in the sense, so um, yep. it is hard, to, and as you you mentioned it at the beginning of the interview, it's hard to come up with. You have to be kind of trying to come up with new ideas and 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 um, new innovations all the time to keep the thing fresh. So it's 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 an ongoing and process relevant. and relevant. Yeah, so, yes, of course. So, so that you have the people coming back. Yes, of and course. Enjoying, you know. But we 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 do find that we have. I mean, we have <laughs> we have somebody coming over from Italy from Slow Food Italy, a Slow Brilliant. Food member from Italy who's actually come the last two years with yeah. the produce. He's selling it on, you know, generally speaking, it's all from Care, but with this, we could Well, you, could, you have to you make know. an exception oh, for him. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. You know, so yeah. he came with all the way from Italy with his uh, food produce, and he's going to bring another person from Slow Food uh, uh, Italy, from their convivia, their little group in his particular regions, the northern part of Italy. So yeah. that's really exciting. And, I mean, last year we had... American in walked this American student group and Dorina Allen was there last year and she spoke to them about you know they were so incredibly lucky yes uh, it was a, I think it was a, a university group that came in and we were interested in uh, small food production and the economy of it I think it was a business school and uh, then we would have a good few German visiting so it's quite you know, um, but at the same time, also, it's a family thing. It's a lot of local people from 
just Lisbon and and the surroundings from Galway, from Limerick, and we we would have people coming down from Dublin, especially for it. So you know, there's a few journalists nice around, mix. so we try yeah. to kind of create a bit of a buzz. Yeah, no, you know? lo- a lovely mix. Well, forget uh, it sounds absolutely fantastic. Now, if people wanted because you know we're running through a good few. We discussed a few different things there. Um, so for the sake of clarity, if people yes. wanted to get information on the Burren um, Slow Food Festival, where would they go? What's the okay, best place? So just, just go to uh, uh, our website, which is slowfoodclare.com. Okay. So slowfoodclare.com. And uh, you can see, you come to landing page, but you can see festival, and there's a festival schedule that you can look at. Uh, and there's a bit of talk about, you know, who, who uh, what, what it is about. So, yeah. And also then burren.ie will have some information as well, and that's, you can find out more about the Burren Food Trail on burren.ie. And um, I don't. I'm not sure that it's populated yet, but it will be yeah. uh, on on the events because they're, they're just about happening. So it will be within the next couple of couple of weeks. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. And uh, but the Slow Food Claire does show uh, most of the festival schedule already. But we'll be having a few well, cards up our sleeves as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't, don't worry, it's not over yet. In other words, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. The, the bones are in place, but there's maybe yeah. a slight, a few slight, uh, uh, what do we say, flourishes to be yes. put in place yes, yet. Yes, brilliant, yes. brilliant. And the date again, there, Brigetta is. So we're talking about the eleventh, uh, which is the Friday evening, really. Yeah. And then the two main days are the Saturday the twelfth and Sunday the thirteenth of May. Brilliant. And we'll have so you have the seafood buffet on Friday evening, and then. Uh, Saturday evening there'll be a gala dinner and the finishing off on Sunday evening with Inanis Diamond uh, a pot dog and at a, with a barge- barbecue. So there'll be a few opportunities of to, to, um, to dine out the, royally. Yeah. Dining out a bit. Dine, <laughs> dine out royally in Clare. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, Brigetta, thank you so much for uh, sharing all that with us this evening. And I wish you every, every success for it. I'd say you're going to enjoy it yourself as well. I do. Uh, I yeah. always do. Yeah. yeah. It's great networking and great people to, to network with. So it was very, um, uh, it gives a lot. Yeah. Know. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. Well, thank you very much for being with us this evening to tell us all about it. Thank you for having me. Not and, at all. Our uh, pleasure. Getting the opportunity to talk about it. Not at all. Our pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Bye now. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Thanks again to Janet O'Toole for allowing me to share that interview with Brigitte about the Burren Slow Food Festival. Visit slowfoodclare.com for full programme details. Now, before we finish up tonight, a quick reminder that Eman McDonnell and Cleona Prendergast are hosting their Lens and Larder Retreat at Glyn Castle in County Limerick this Friday. Speakers include James Beard award-winning authors Diana Henry and Elisa Altman. And there'll be an in-depth look at recipe development, food as memoir, creative writing and food journalism. And they'll also touch on podcasting and broadcasting as well. And the treat will also cover the business side of food publishing with New York literary agent Sharon Bars and examine cookbook editorial with Ireland's top cookbook editor Kristen Jensen. If you visit lensandlarger.com you'll get all the information there and that's on this Friday so don't delay if you're interested.
And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Be sure to get in touch anytime with your food and drink news, stories and recipes. Drop me a line to s.noonan at live.ie. Thanks so much for tuning in and to my guests, Vicky Nash and Teresa Story. And thanks to Janet O'Toole for sharing her interview with Brigitte Hedden Curtin. I'll be back at the same time next Tuesday. So until then, have a great week and bon appétit. Thanks for listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. To get in touch with The Best Possible Taste, email Sharon at SharonNoonan.com or tweet Sharon at Queen of Org. As in, Queen of Organisation. Bon appétit. <laughs>